Welcome everyone to season two, episode five of the Ready or Not podcast, live from the National League of Cities Congressional City Conference here in Washington, D.C. We are honored to uh, be graced, if you will, with uh, Bob Knight and Kim McKinley, our guests for today, representing their collective capacity as the American Association of Public Broadband, uh, and in their individual capacity, Bob, with a number of different titles we'll get to, Kim is CMO for Utopia Fiber. Uh, and so let's jump right in. So welcome thank to you, the Ready you. or Not podcast. It's good oh, to see God. you all. Good to see, see you, you, Scott. How are you? I'm doing well. As you all know by now, we've been on the traveling broadband circuit for a while. Uh, you all are friends, you all are colleagues, and you also post a lot to social media and LinkedIn about uh, Bob's, your your diamond first class request and, and Kim, your, your your coach class request. So can we talk about the history of the friendship and uh, how much fun you all have on, on social media? Thousand percent. There's well, a lot no, to no, unpack. No, 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 no. I'm going to start. start. Yeah. I have low standards for my, my best okay. broadband is what I'm going to oh, start out. Clearly. <laughs> and, and I don't like to sit in the back of the plane. When, when you're built like this and the seat is this big and when you travel as much as, as I do, you sit in the front. However, the best part of, of first class air travel is watching Kim on the same flight walk past walk you past. with, with a mobile phone. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten that look before once or twice when, uh, you know, sitting in first oh, class. Oh, when I'm all the way in coaching, he's like, hi! Yeah, very Her boss, Robert right. Timmerman at, at Utopia Fiber, her boss now is in on it too. So when he gets the upgrade, He's sitting yes. up there, and he, you know, he he will now send me videos of Kim sitting a few rows back. So, so let me clear this up: Are these upgrade requests or upgrade fulfillment, or do you actually? It's a mix. Okay, it's All a right. mix, Scott. It's a mix. Okay, it's a mix. Some, sometimes okay. <laughs> Kicking the podcast off, so, talking about. Look at all this. I love it. No, but obviously I mean, you've been you have having chocolate. conversations. <laughs> okay, yeah, no, coins. I started Where? this off. There. About to have our sixth anniversary of our friendship. Oh, or really? Fifth, yeah, our fifth, maybe fifth. Seven? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knows? We met at Broadband Communities Conference uh, five years ago when Bob was the guy in the um, in the audience that asked way too much questions, wow. too many questions. I mean, we've all been at those conferences where you want to sh- like throw candy at that person. Well, Bob was. And I was guys, the questions are long-winded. Not so many questions, but just a long. Got a lot to say. Comparable. Continue. Sorry. I love it at the broadband conferences when someone gets up and turns it into open mic night. You know, oh, right. we experienced that yesterday. Right? It's yeah. like someone gets up. I would like to pontificate. Right. Where's the question, sir? That, there is no question, talk. ma'am. We're just gonna keep oh, nouns God. and verbs, verbs and nouns. We will get there. It depends on the moderator if they'll shut them down or not. Yeah. Some moderators will be like, "Let's go on." Yeah. Now Scott is a tough moderator. I don't know if you know that. Scott and I were on a panel together last year, spring of 2022, yes, yes. and uh, and Scott Scott runs a tight ship. The, I think the woman next to me was going to kill me, much like today. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, she knew a lady from the uh, nonprofit public interest sector. She she thought that um, everything was going well with uh, that deed hadn't been announced quite yet, but it was about to be announced, and uh, and you know she she, uh, she and I had. A different philosophical, philosophical. oh you know what it yes, was yes. it was about state broadband directors yes. and she felt that the state broadband directors were really plugged in and as as we all know 
you know, there's a handful who are really plugged in and the rest are, you know, trying to figure out, you know, if the, you know, for lunch is white or wheat or whatever, you know. <laughs> Bob, would you like the host to actually host the podcast or would you like to host the podcast? <laughs> but that's a great segue. We started talking about bead and state broadband directors and um, I would love to get your take on if you had any, uh, I'm sure you do, thoughts on bead and the implementation of it and State broadband directors' ability to do local coordination, which I know that's are you, sure. are you asking us, Shannon, to trash the state broadband directors? <laughs> no, not trash. Oh, no. Obviously, not trash. I mean, I, I want to get your hot takes. Yeah, hot first takes of all, Bead was announced by last year, and but it, the no foes were about to come out from Bead. No foes. Correct. Um, but uh, I think the state broadband directors are in a very precarious situation because th a lot of them are very new. And from coming from two people who worked at NTIA, the NTIA has recruited a lot of the former state broadband officers up to NTIA. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of newbies in the state broadband offices are who are responsible for millions and millions of dollars and the future of their state. I think it's first of all, I'm impressed anybody's taking those jobs <laughs> because it, it's it's a thing that you will never win at. No matter what direction you go, somebody's going to criticize you. It it is a very tough job, and I think. It will be interesting to see how they handle it. I, I don't know. I think some uh, some states are very um, well prepared for what's coming, and I think some are just flailing. Yeah. And it, I think it's a state by state. But, but I, I think the example that I like to give is, is last year I was on a panel with Maureen Neighbors, who's the state broadband director from Alabama, and she came from power, right? She came from the power utility side, and she was regulating power at, at the state uh, level. And so, she, you know, obviously, you know, the powers that be, state government said, okay, well, you know phone poles and pole attachments, so you're gonna be the state broadband director. <laughs> and in the, listen, Ma Maureen's a talented uh, you know, public servant, she, she knows her way around and, and she figured it out. But at this conference, uh, the, uh, the lobbyist from the, uh, the Cable Association was, was her shadow. And if, if Maureen stopped walking, the lady would, would <laughs> run into her. Run right into her and, and look, the, the lady, the, the lobby, she, lovely person, very, very nice. I've seen her a number of times. I can't remember her name. And I, I like her hugely. And she's very, very smart and very good at what she does. But that's her assignment. Uh -huh. And you, you take a bunch of, of individuals, you put them in a new office with new policy that's coming down and a lot of money, and you have really, um, highly trained, highly educated uh, lobbyists who are there to influence. Right. And, and that's the tension. And now on top of that, layer on mapping and, and, and the trials and tribulations with mapping and everything else. And you have yourself a, a nice cocktail of, um, of, of crap. Of stuff. Yeah. Of stuff. Yeah, yeah. stuff. All right. Speaking of cocktail of stuff, <laughs> let me steer this back so you see why now we, we invited uh, Bob and Kim on. They are, are knowledgeable of all things broadband. But I'm going to start by guest bios, right? So uh -huh. I'm going to go through your bios. I'm going to keep yours, yours short because you sent us a, a, a story and a half. So Bob Knight is the president and CEO of, of Harrison Networks. And he's also the Commissioner of Economic and Community Development for the town of Richfield, Connecticut. Uh, he is both a broadband industry professional and a public official, which is a rare skill set to have. I'm not good at either. You know, as the president of CEO of Harrison Networks, an integrated marketing agency based in Armonk, New York. That was close. How you say Armonk. Armonk. There's an extra right. syllable in there, Scott. I'm trying. Specializing trying. in sectors including telecommunications, economic development, government, cannabis, crisis management, 
and healthcare. And he's also one of the founding members, again, of the American Association of Public Broadband. Uh, Kim McKinley is Deputy Director and Chief Marketing Officer of Utopia Fiber. Uh, she leads that in, since 2010, excuse me. Uh, she's a member of its turnaround team and has helped submit today Utopia Fiber as the fastest growing, highest rated, and most successful, wow, open access network in the United States. Day to day, Kim actively leads Utopia's marketing, sales, order fulfillment, and customer service teams. And you will see them a lot of the conferences and events uh, across the country and a newly appointed board member of the Fiber Broadband Association oh, as well. So congratulations. That's maybe, the maybe stage one that we have. <laughs> maybe, maybe one. That's the Life stage goals. that we Life have goals. set today. Uh, we've invited them to join us because we're here at the tail end of the National League of Cities Congressional City Conference in Washington, D.C. And before we dive into that, I'll turn it over to Shannon, our co-host, to go through a, a list of events that's going on in the community, and then we'll jump into the deep dive with, with Bob and Ken. Yes, Shannon? wonderful. Thanks, Scott, and thank you, too, for being here. I'm so excited. We're going to have a good time. But let me do my due diligence. Typically with the podcast, we go over some of the highlights in the community. Uh, the Broadband.io uh, community is our digital platform where we have almost 2,000 members um, that engage with us and keep everyone up to date on all the comings and goings in the broadband industry. I follow. I'm a member. That's oh, you are? Yeah. Yes. Exciting. Okay. Why well, I haven't seen you in the community posting, though. Because I don't really post. Yeah. I just stalk. Lurker. Lurker. I'm going to call you out now. She's a lurker. Make him have a post today. Okay. First, so we had a, uh, our last episode was with Joe Valandra of Tribal Ready. He is uh, the CEO and president of that organization. Um, and during that podcast episode, we talked about the launch of the virtual tribal broadband office and his efforts to coordinate um, the needs of the different tribal nations across the country to ensure that their voices are heard. Um, can you guys talk a little bit about the work of AAPB and do you have any representatives from tribal nations in your organization? I'll go let you go first. Ms. Ladies Ken. first. Um, right now we do not have any representation from tribal. Uh, we're just in the beginning stages of launching AAPB. We launched it last year. Um, one of the things that we were very enthusiastic members, um, governmental appointed uh, people and myself who worked as, as a governmental agency, well, we thought a C6 status with the IRS would take a month. Well, we maybe slightly underestimated that like eight months later when we finally got the C6 status. So we're in the, the beginning stages right now of really gaining the membership and we have a, a huge base of members throughout the country, um, but not, no, not yet tribal. Um, I think we'll get there, um, but we are not there yet. We just are getting everything in place. And um, unfortunately I have to work with this guy who is not the easiest to work with. Well, you know, we, we have engaged with um, some tribal leaders uh, and um, some of the tribal leaders. They ask leaders. for membership, not who we've engaged with. <laughs> the answer is, it's not for lack of trying, but we're, we're going to keep uh, we're going to keep that as, as we continue to build the base for AAPB. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So we also had the an AMA with Jade uh, Pirosti-Cavaglia. Mm -hmm. 
Um, AMA stands for Ask Me Anything. Not the American Music Awards? No. Not the American Music Awards. Close, but we're getting there. Although maybe we should host live streams of the award shows on that. That would be be fun. So Jane Starr is rising, you know, all of a sudden the name. She's getting a lot of social media. She, she, uh, She has an interesting perspective. She does. She said, you are the Calvary. That was one of her jadisms, as our CEO, Jace, would call <laughs> call them, um, where she just uh, really emphasized people organizing, getting together, and having um, an influence on the broadband planning process, which is, uh-huh. sounds like what you're trying to do with AAPB. Could you speak more about how, how you feel about that, like the need to organize yeah. among ourselves to influence uh-huh. government? And well, that, well, that's how it, it came together. You know, So Utopia, you're a, a consortium of, of 11 cities. Oh, yeah, who own it, yes. And, you know, I represent, you know, town of Richfield, Connecticut. Um, and, and one of the things that sort of a number of us were, were kind of horrified during the pandemic that the conversation, you know, whether whether it was the uh, the interim treasury rules, whether it was ARPA, mm-hmm. uh, whether it was BEAD, conversation sort of went back to the same old, same old. And, you know, it took us a long time to get into this national broadband mess. And the way a lot of the legislation was written and the rules were written kind of cemented in um, sort of the same policies that got us into the mess. And we realized that um, the community networks didn't have a voice in that conversation and didn't have a seat at the table. And simultaneously, National League of Cities, we're, we're here at MLC, there, there was a group of about uh, 17 or 18 of us that had a meeting with the White House during the pandemic, probably 2021. And we were talking about the national uh, about the interim treasury rules, and you know we we argued that they had to set the standards you know higher than than twenty five over three. You know we were pushing for hundred over hundred to get you know symmetrical, which means five. You know because we just didn't want the country to spend a lot of money and make the same mistakes over and over again. And ultimately, you know NLC did a great job in lobbying efforts, and, and the other city leaders. Did a great job, you know, communicating this to the, to the White House, but ultimately we got the we got the rules, you know, we got we got the language done, and we were kind of surprised, you know, as, as sort of jaded people, we're like, uh, you know, what is this really going to matter? We're like, oh wow, you know, people can actually do this, <clears throat> and so it sort of morphed into AAPB. We're like, you know. Community networks need to have a voice, and local choice, local community choice needs to have a voice. Well, I think at the end of the day, Utopia is big enough that they can have a voice, right? And we can be out there, but people are still spewing our story in an incorrect manner. And there's a lot of community broadbands or communities, smaller rural communities who want a choice in it, and they don't have enough voice or manpower to be out there representing them. So it's why couldn't we create an organization that compiles all that and brings one bigger voice um, for a national state level to really make those changes that you're talking about. And I think, Shannon and Scott, one, one of the things that was so important to us is that to be a voting member on the board of AAPB, mm-hmm. you have to be a public official. Because there are so many industry groups that are out there that can be bought and sold very easily. And so when, when everyone has a voice, nobody has a voice. And so we needed to keep the message pure. So we, we welcome industry, we welcome vendors to, to become members. But in order to be on the board, in order to be a voting member, you have to be a public official representing a community that has a fiber project. Now, it doesn't matter if you want to partner. It, does, it doesn't have to have a fiber project. They just can be in any stages of looking at Correct. it as well. You know, yeah. thinking about building, operating, you know, whatever the case may be. But you know, we, we welcome you know the incumbents, you know, because they have a voice. And, and if you want to partner, if your community wants to partner, 
with tier one provider like an AT&T or Verizon, we think it's great. So if let you, me jump in there. If okay. you want to build your own open access network and be municipally owned, or if you want to be ISP, we think it's great. We want to make sure that you have that choice and are not le legislatively armed. Okay. Let me jump in there. because You yeah. talked about sort of the misconception uh -huh. of, of municipal networks, uh -huh. community networks, but you're talking about, you know, ISPs, incumbents are, are, are welcome. What are some of the misnomers or that people get wrong uh, about your view of you know, public-private partnerships or, or working with private providers that you can correct? They, a lot of them think they're just not successful. And they hear the one sound clip. We know that the press always only tells the truth when you go out to market, right? But they'll, they'll hear, of you, say, for example, Utopia. There is a time that we were not successful and we deserve the moniker of being the most um, failed municipal broadband project in the country. But since 2009, we've done over $300 million worth of bonds that are being paid back solely by subscriber revenue and not touching taxpayers' dollars. But what I see a lot is people will go back to 2007 and want to tell that story. And yes, we, we won't shy away from that story at all. We'll say it's part of our growth. What happened? We learned what not to do. <laughs> and we probably, if there was something to do, we probably did it. And we probably did it three times before we learned our lesson. But we have grown, and we wanted to, and we have been successful. And what a lot of things that people don't recognize, they'll they'll say at least for that it's government overstepping into, you know, the private sector. Well, if the private sector was really delivering, would they the city even consider it as an option? They so, so did I ever tell you the story that when I testified in front of uh, the Connecticut um, the, the, uh, General Assembly, the, uh, the Technology Energy Committee? And, and I, I was Are you there. trying to impress me right now? No, that's it. No, I was trying to impress you. I'm not, not be sure that. Believe me. But a bunch of, well, whatever. Um, so so I, I was there. Um, Ellen Katz used to um, head up the, the state broadband office. And, um, and she, she assembled a number of people, you know, from across the state who were broadband advocates. So we were, we were sharing, hey, you know, this 5G thing really isn't going to be the answer. You really need broadband. You need to, you know, you need to allow all models in it. So, you know, straight out of central casting, right? The, you know, the, the telecom lobby just, just brings one in after the other. Municipal networks fail. You know, they're, they're terrible. They, they do this. They do that. Whatever. They're taking old data. Just like you told you know, they're cherry-picking, not only cherry-picking neighborhoods, they're cherry-picking old data. Oh, well, this network failed, and this one in Connecticut failed, and this one in Georgia failed, and this one. And, and, you know, early on, we, we know that the early adopters always have some growing pains. But how often do you hear that, like us, anybody attacking all the private networks that have gone under, or the, all the private networks that have suffered? We all go through those growing Correct. pains. Some, some die on the vine and some succeed. And that happens in every industry and that happens in government. Government's not always going to be successful at every venture they do. But if you learn and pivot, that's what, where some of the best networks have come from. I mean, some of the oldest networks are, I mean, up in Grant County, Washington, is the oldest uh, network in the Only country. Community network and first open access yeah. in the country, and they're, they're, they're just thriving. They built out to, to a county that's the size of Rhode Island, building up these, and they have more to go, but they're doing great. So you hit on something earlier that I think is important to note, because we talk a lot generally about community engagement, how do you have the conversations, what, in what ways do you facilitate them so that special interests aren't overwhelming the, 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 the direction of policies um, and you said like your requirement is that there be you have to be a public official in order mm -hmm. to sit on the board um, and that you carefully consider the balance of interests when you have private sector partners um, be a part of your organization can you speak more about that like what 
like I I come from a background of we do a lot of standards development and it's like balance of interests and when people can participate and he gets really <laughs> bored when I talk about these things but you know if you really want to be a neutral broker in a meaningful way you have to kind of have certain guardrails in place so that some um, conversations aren't overwhelmed by certain before you talk I, I hear she before you talk I need to ask Shannon can you develop um, some standards for my dating life I just want to make sure I can help with that absolutely okay thank you anyone who follows the podcast knows that every episode <laughs> Shannon she talks about her time at uh, 13 years plus I was or, there or so. that she went to Harvard Kennedy School so we, we know that's I didn't a theme say Harvard yet that, uh, no not yet it's coming I know that's a theme. That's a theme in every podcast. She's gonna run NIST one day after this is over with. So um, she loves NIST. I think that's impressive. Congratulations, Shannon. Thank you. Absolutely. All all to create standards for for security. (laughs) Wow. You really see standards and technology, right? Absolutely. They they must be so proud and (laughs) pleased. Well, you know, you could call it the Lowered Expectations podcast now. Just rebrand, Scott. It'll be fine. Only for this episode. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Well, I, I think I think the standard where you need to start with is. Are we is, talking about Kim's dating life? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I'm sorry. I'm trying to get the context. Okay. I'm trying to get the context. Follow along at home, folks. This is where it gets interesting. It's the same standards, right? For both For both community engagement on broadband and for Kim's dating life, right? You start with the community need first and work your way backwards from there. So so just like just like, you know, Kim Suiters, right? You talk to the cops, you talk to the firefighters, talk to the healthcare folks, right? All the local stakeholders. All the local stakeholders. You know, I mean, you know, talk to the PTA moms, get a little saucy here. Uh, you know. And you really find out, you know, what needs are not being met. <laughs> and, uh, and and you start there, and then you develop your community standards, Absolutely. and then everything else falls into play after that. Did, did you yeah. do this in this? Is this one of the things? That Absolutely, you gathered information from a diversity of stakeholders. That's the first step. Absolutely. What is? What are the needs? But it's also building trust, mm-hmm. building right? Because it, it's you know. Talking through credible messengers is incredibly important, you know. Having talk- the right, right messengers yeah. out there and not every, like, really champion is not the person you need in the community. Oh, my gosh. I love champions, but they're a double-edged sword, right? You get some really enthusiastic young man, like, to show up like, hey, guys, we need a broadband project. Everyone's like, right? So it's... We, I mean, for Utopia alone, we almost lost the project because a very enthusiastic young gentleman was out there representing the brand of Utopia, and the city actually thought it was us. It wasn't us. They were just advocating that they wanted us to come to the okay. city, which actually turned south. So that's kind of counterintuitive, right? Because you want people who are enthusiastic, but when they're, there's a lot of group dynamics that happen when mm-hmm. you're trying to make change. It's you don't want the guy that's like overly enthusiastic yes. and just talks too much and is not really helpful or like or trying to go down the throat. Right. Yeah. You want people to gel. You want people to be productive together, and that kind of. So it's almost like dating, right? I knew you were going to say Bring it back. back to you, know, you you want to find a nice, normal person. Like, like you, go on a fir- you go on a first date, right? I haven't been on a first date since 1999. That was my last first date, 1999, right? Been been my wife ever, ever since, right? Okay. So... How high are first dates? <laughs> <laughs> start with community. Oh, that's the 
it's alcohol involved. You know, right? You know, all those things. Take that away. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, it's like dating, right? You, you have to start, you can't just throw every bit of information at people and expect that they're going to be really interested. You know, you, you start where they are, right? Yeah, it really sucks on snow days that you're, tr you're trying to work from home and, and your kids are using the, you know, the Wi-Fi for something else and you, you get buffering and your Zoom calls messed up, right? Start where they are. You don't just well. We're gonna go G Pond or you know XGS Pond. XGS Pond. Right. You, know. and right, you lose people right away. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Let's Kim go. says it all the time, right? Front page industry biggest collection of virgins. You know, <laughs> <laughs> under one roof. Okay, first of all, Wait, I did not. We got okay. to explain. You got to look into the camera and explain that. Right there. Right we're, here. We're a lot of right there. It's a lot of techie people, and we like to focus more of our time on work. Than other activities, our social life. Oh my God! Oh, you meant literal version. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't been around the industry long enough. Can I jump right into the? Uh, we got. Oh wait, I got. Uh, we got they, they, they didn't teach you that at the uh, the Kennedy School, <laughs> did they? <laughs> what kind of education was this? Actually, uh, education. Uh, my nerdy brain is something. They will never have us back. <laughs> Oh, we're right. do part two. We had another Absolutely. AMA with the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association mm -hmm. that we hosted on the community. Um, they discussed how um, they'd be pro providing support to RECs to participate in the. Um, do y'all have an opinion on that? Do you have um, involvement of RECs in your organization at all? Rural electric cooperatives. Rural electric. I was like, RDC. Right, so, they're, oh, sorry. so they're not, you know, you have to be an, uh, an appointed official, okay. an elected, or or city staff, or, or municipal staff. So they technically don't fall into place. They could become memberships if they want to. They, they're being served, you know, the, yeah. the rural electric co-ops are being served, and they're, they're, they do a great I think um, they're the ones role. who are building the most right now, which totally. we're really seeing executed pro projects on the co-ops. We don't necessarily on the RECs, now that I knew a new acronym, um, but we are working closely with APPA, um, which is the Public Power public Association. Power Association. Okay. So it's, it's, it's somewhere of like, we're working in a different avenues of how to reach people and right. people who are working in this space right now. But, but the idea is collaboration. Collaboration, together, I mean. Common solutions. Absolutely, right. with rural yeah. um, absolutely. like organizations who are representing those guys. We all wanna come together to solve the broadband problem. And it's not going to happen with us going alone at it. It's just not. But I think it's important to mention that two of the five um, board members uh, uh, come from uh, either utility districts or from power utilities. So Scott Menhart from Traverse City Light and Power, publicly owned, community owned electric utility that's building out a fiber project in, in their city and they're having a great deal of success. Uh, Angela Bennick, who is our chair, she's general manager of Kitsap uh, Public Utility District in Washington State. Now they don't do power; they do, I think, water or, or sewer and broadband. You know, sewer and broadband yeah. tend to go together. In some places, depending on where you are, your your connection is. Sometimes your connection's in the sewer. In the, sewer. In, in the condo. I was going to say something. Oh, else. that's so gross. Even if I think, sorry. Some municipal engineers can be a little gross. Yeah. Got to get down in the mud. I think if, if we expand the board, and there's been there's been talk about it. <laughs> I know this is good. <laughs> How do you follow this a show be, like this? This might be the smartest with a shovel room that we have. In right. No, but it, when we expand the board, you know, we we want to have um, a digital equity player, and we do want to have a tribal uh, yeah. a tribal broadband player on the board. We've talked about that. 
And one thing, and I will talk about one of the initiatives that we have going on right now is uh, that we have a mentorship program going on for like, so whatever kind of entity you are, we have, we can match you with an entity inside of our organization who's been through different various steps of the process. So if they're at the what technology they need to pick and we'll, we'll partner with one of our members who's gone through this. It's kind of like we want people to work with people who've been there before. Um, and understand some of the like challenges that are going to happen because this is not an easy process. It's never going to be easy. We wish it would, but it's not a one-stop solution for anyone. And particularly in the digital equity space, yeah. there there are I think there's some really good programs that are out there. I, I think you know you're starting to see some real success, but you've also seen you know digital equity. It, it's a tough play, mm -hmm. and it's tough to execute it the right way. So really, just putting putting you know. Uh, leaders in touch with other leaders who are having success. Yes, we, we think that's a really good formula for you know success breeds success. Yep. And, and how to market digital equity? I think that's one of the biggest players or factors that we as we go forward because a lot of people want digital equity, but they don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Yep. You have to tell your community that you're doing this for your community as well. Yep. And that's one of the things that we've done. Sorry, with the with our uh, with our podcast is moving from advocacy to action, right? Uh -huh. Beyond just focusing on the mass, uh -huh. beyond just focusing on infrastructure, you have to have a focus on the equity component. Yep. And uh, which you all know, it's the actual people that we want to touch with broadband and and the services and being able to move forward. Can you want to say something? Right. I was going to say that the last um, update is uh, someone, one of our community ambassadors, did a story on. Um, Benton Institute study on ACP and mm -hmm. um, implementation of it, and it said that uh, half of the households that are eligible for it uh, haven't even heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Unaware. No, they're exists. totally unaware of the program. Yeah. yeah. So, what are your thoughts about the program and why people may be unaware or not interested in signing up? Wow, you're just like going for a hot button question. I think the the initial problem with ACP is because they didn't give any ISPs really any money to market its program. They were like you're gonna go do this out of the kindness of your heart. Well, people who are in the ISP business, if they're not municipally owned or have some stake in the, this, this, the community, why would they do it, right? Why would they put allocate resources for it? I think you are seeing that change and I think a lot of people at communities and city halls are seeing that. So you're start, starting to see them engage in um, their, that, that community who applies who can get the ACP. But I think you're seeing it ramp up. You're seeing the uh, applications go up for ACP. Um, I think the scared thing where I'm seeing people being a little hesitant on the ACP is will the money get re will we get more money for ACP? So why even go down this road if the program is going to be out of money? Right. So. No, I agree. It's just, it's a tough place to be. Um, but I'm going to. I've been criticizing the FCC for months, if not years, so I'm going to stay away from that. I thought everybody loved the FCC. Um, yeah. they, well, they, they, they do. A but, lot about it here yeah. at NLC. Um, yeah. ACP. So let, let, but, let, let's. But, but Scott, to your point, the FCC can can uh, you know be out there you know wringing their hands to their two two commission. So again, this goes back to our initial point, and this mm -hmm. has always been my criticism: when federal agency, anyone, uh -huh. a agency rolls out things that actually impact people, when you don't have people who know people. Uh -huh. right. So we roll out these public policy initiatives without the frame of reference and context uh -huh. of actual people that you want to impact. Yep. Right, and so like you said, deadlock at 2-2, we're gonna do the most you know, bland thing we can do politically from a public policy perspective, no real context on how this really impacts uh, regular people. And one uh, of the I things mean, that we've done at our, with Ready and Broadband Money, we've developed 
you know, an ACP turnkey solution mm -hmm. that makes it easier for people to sign up because, you know, you're asking someone who may or may not have a device, may or may not have internet connection to download static AP, a, uh, PDFs from the, from the FCC right. and take a picture of their driver's license and upload all of these. And that's like, what the hell are we so doing? If you, if, you, if you could do that, you would have a good internet connection. Absolutely. If I could do that, I probably wouldn't need the ACP program. Well, I will say, though, on a positive note, I don't want to forget to mention that the FCC did launch the grant program to yes. help market and this was just a first round I, they just announced today that there, there will be additional funding for the uh, ACP for the S for ACP program outreach that may or may program not be funded after for this year but we'll see I'm again, trying to be balanced I know you are you can't even have a positive standard, standard. 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 <laughs> institute of fairness neutrality Harvard taught you this the standards Miss taught me that not so much Wait a second, you take the guy from Harvard. That was ridiculous. <laughs> what did Harvard teach you? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Alright, so we're going to As you can see, Bob and Kim are knowledgeable on all things. Dating, broadband, <laughs> ACP. Dating might not, you know, maybe not so I'm just, I'm just, This, I'm just this is the takeaway. Dating the takeaway. and broadband, same questions for both There's audiences. A lot of synergy, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of synergy. Right. Right. So let's, let's get into why we're here. So this is the NLC's Congressional City Conference. This is your first time here. What, what are your thoughts on uh, the conference, your, 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 your time here? I've got my faith. There are a lot of suits here, and I haven't seen. I'm in the broadband world, and there is not a lot of suits in the broadband world. What would you like? Well, what would you like? This is what, Bob, can you tell me what a broadband conference looks like? Well, let's just say a broadband eight is the rest of the world six, right? Can we agree on that, right? So broadband, you know, it, it's, okay, broadband conferences, right? Overweight, middle-aged, bald guys wearing golf shirts with outdated logos. That's everyone at a broadband conference, That's the industry, right? that's the industry. That's the industry, yeah, that's, that's the, the industry, industry standard. Standard. Yeah. Is broadband it. keeping polos and stuff? They're just hoarding old polos. Like, what? MCI, WorldCom, wow! We landed on the moon! I'm gonna rock this today. I'm gonna wow in my uh, standard polo with the- Jordash. Okay. Wow. Jordash. <laughs> It's French. I love the yeah. energy at this conference. I think there's oh a lot God, of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. There's great music. Yeah. There's people who are just passionate to change their communities. And I think that's great to see to see that energy and to see that these people are here and are, they're public servants because they want to better this country. And I think that we hear a lot of rhetoric on TV of what's happening, mm -hmm. but you get all these people who have different politics yeah. um, across the country and they all rally together. And I, yeah. I love seeing that. And I think that brings hope. Well, it's nice in, in a venue like this where, you know, there's no cameras and, you know, R's and D's can mingle and people are really talking about, you know, how, how to really help folks. And, and I think at the local level, you know, in cities, towns, villages, and even counties, mm -hmm. that's where the real work gets done. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's the person to person kind of thing. And I, I do want to give a shout out to Angelina uh, Panateri, who, yes. who's the mm -hmm. lobbyist for National League of Cities. She is so effective. She's so good at her job. Mm -hmm. And, um, and you know, such a nice person as well. And a nice person. And uh, you know, she put together a lot of this conference, mm -hmm. a lot of the panels, and she's been totally effective. You know, I mean, she, she's working on a lot of the broadband initiatives too for, for NLC and just totally great. And, and you know, it's a plug for NLC. I, I would say if, if your community mm -hmm. is not a member and needs a voice you know, yeah. in DC, they're the best. Yeah, no, I love the diversity here. I love that they're uh, medium cities, mm -hmm. large cities, towns, villages, like you said, 
every stripe, every color, every ethnic group, every yeah. political persuasion is, is, is here, uh, but they all have one thing in mind and they're working what's best for their community, yeah. right? Making decisions that impact their homes, businesses, residents the most. Because they um, know it, they and, live and it. And the energy, is yeah. there's, so, there's so much energy here that I think could, could captivate outside of the Marriott, which is where we are, to DC as yeah. a whole, mm. right? Is that, you know, you can take what's best from every location, shake it up and say, you know, here we are, let's go get it. Are you about to make fun of Scott, um, Bob and I's uh, Uber today? I, I, I wasn't, <laughs> but now that you mentioned it, they did take an Uber a half a block to a restaurant <laughs> that's around the corner. I'm just saying, like, Sounds they need a reconnaissance would say, I walk out, Point I turn right, five miles. you know, I wait 20 minutes on an Uber, I could have been there at the bar. It's okay, though, it's okay. But, we're we're you know, busy professionals. You're busy. You know what? You, that is so true. You, so, you get so used to being in mode, mm -hmm. get off the plane, okay, Uber, cab, what am I doing? You know, the hotel's literally right across the street. Dr. Right, Joe Biden doing? was here, the vibe yes. was good, yeah. everyone was excited, you know, it was like, okay, where do we go, we're, you know? I think we waited longer for the Uber than it would, then it would have taken you to literally walk around. We're going to go to the airport later, Bob. I think we should probably take an Uber. <laughs> I know. No, you got to take a cab. A cab? Yeah. Wow. DC cab. We're going DC cab? Yeah, a DC little cab Mr. T reference the there. Okay, so, so why are we taking DC cab as opposed to DC Uber? I don't know. So I'm like, I'm like, you Mr. T reference? You, you, wanted the, you wanted the Mr. T reference. I did. You I wanted did. to throw that in. Yeah, I pity the fool who didn't understand. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I don't know. You, you, you all might not be old enough to understand. Though. Right, here. Bob and I. Mr. T, like we have to wear our Botox. Thank you, thank you. So let's, let's, let's fast forward a little bit. We Talking about the NLC and local communities. Can you discuss the importance of local coordination and outreach, right? In your work, both individually, right, uh, in, in your companies, but as the AAPB is now launching uh, initiatives to galvanize support for municipal networks across the country, you know, how important is that local coordination and outreach, uh, particularly to unserved and underserved communities? I will let you, Bob, go for it. I'm just gonna let you start because I know you're gonna speak. Go for it. Oh, I'm just still really excited about the Mr. T reference, <laughs> and I really, I sort of glazed over during the question. But we're, no, we're talking about local outreach, and look, it, you know, all the policy, all the hard work, all the money, none of it matters unless it, it, it hits its intended purpose. And so you do have to have outreach. You do, look, I mean, you, I mean you it's throw, education. It's too. the marketing people, right? Mm -hmm. This is this is really about community education. And, and look, I, I'm here in my municipal role, not 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 here to plug my my company, but, but you, you know the, the but the, you are but but but, 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 but uh, look, look the, the the team at Harrison Edwards, you know, we have been like busting our butts for the last like year and a half just on this stuff because it, it's it's critical to get the word out and and for people to understand it is public education. It's not advertising. It's not marketing. You're educating the public, but it's not just educating the public. It's educating local officials and, and the local stakeholders on it because you know there's so much influence that's that's out there that you know the, the local officials sort of have to champion you know where the money goes and how it gets spent. But I think it's individualized, um, like education and awareness, yeah. because I think sometimes there's like these materials of this goes into your community. Well, do they understand this community? or how do they cater to that, those materials? Because it's a different dynamic in every community that I go into of what that community needs from a outreach. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it goes back to there's just not a 
one stop solution to this and that's where you have to have the messaging is different mm -hmm. the outreach is different how do you reach your citizens like even for me it's what do you do facebook what what works or do you have next door in this community or do you do like meetings you have to and you have to reach it's important but you have to reach the um, residents where they are and meet yeah. them where they are yeah. um, that's a perfect segue to my, my next question came on address to you oh, uh, no. let you go first this time and then bob okay. jump in you know, you're talking about the launch of the APB and, and, and the role of municipal networks and community-based service providers to address the digital divide, particularly when we're talking about vulnerable communities, unserved, underserved, anchor institutions. What critical role do you see um, the APB as well as, as community-based networks playing to bridge the digital divide? All this is a big question. Oh, I love that. I love yeah, this question. Let's go. I, I mean, if you're talking about so AAPB represents community choice, but if you're talking solely municipal networks, I think if you're addressing municipal networks and the, the digital divide, one of the things that municipal networks do better than anyone else is they pass every home in the community. So the first stop, the first point of start stopping what the digital equity problem that we have is passing, every, yes, yeah. passing everybody home, everybody's home so they have a chance, right? Because if they don't have a chance to connect, then we, we can't even get to the devices um, aspect and education part of digital equity. And I think somebody said this to me, a DC, um, pretty high person in DC who worked for one of um, the senators here. They said, well, Utopia, you guys are just sitting here and saying that it's a utility. And I said, well, no, we don't think it's a utility. We're not gonna charge everybody in the community at, at Utopia that they have to pay for it. We do it, or it's whoever subscribes pays for the bonds that we have. But what we do believe is a utility is that it should pass every home. Because they have, we have to pass every home. And that's why some of the big incumbents have gotten in trouble in the past because they're based on ROI. Yeah. Municipal, municipalities are based on their community and serving their community. So I think that's where I would say where the big role of why cities are looking at this. Because when the ROI doesn't make sense, will some of the big players come to play? So Rich Williams at um, Fiber Broadband Association is a huge proponent of this concept that he's been kicking around called the triple check. And I, I think it's, it's brilliant. We were talking about this um, wherever city we were, you know, whatever the Whatever I was sitting in economy and you're sitting in first class, we're texting. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was in one of the Carolinas. North Carolina and Raleigh. Raleigh. Raleigh, there we go. Um, and so he, he had this concept like, you know, it's not enough to check the box to say, you know, fiber passes. You know, home. Mm -hmm. Okay, so have, it, we should look at a triple check, a check for uh, how many homes passed, how many homes connected, and then how many homes engaged, right? So it's great that you're connecting to fiber, great, um, but are you using the fiber? If you use for economic development, you have to bring the opportunity. The devices, all those things. And, and that, that third one's a little tricky, right? Because if you're an ISP or a network operator, you don't want to be looking into people's homes and seeing what they're doing on, on those networks. That's, that's, you know, that's a privacy issue. But you, know, you want to get people engaged, to your point, and, and really utilizing the network and the opportunity brings. You know, take the word broadband or fiber, whatever, and replace it with electricity and pretend it's 100 years ago, right? So what happens when you connect the blacksmith to electricity? You know, what happens to the blacksmith's business? It's scoundrel. What happens when you bring the, the electricity to a home? You know, you can have refrigeration now. You can keep your food longer. You can cook on the stove. You can have a light on it, you know. So, you know, 
different times. Certainly, you didn't have a well-funded candle lobby saying, no, 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 we're, we're, we're <laughs> going to solve the problem. You don't need electricity. But The know, Wax Makers Association <laughs> of America. Right, right. But, but you get the point. And, right. and I think, right. I, I think it, it's that engagement piece. And, and one thing I will say is, I, I hear this all the time, because you have all these um, programs, I can't think, it's the USF program, what's it called? Um, Lifeline. Lifeline, yeah. Lifeline, ACP, who are out there, and they're providing these minimal service qualities, mm -hmm. right, to some degree, or the 10-3. Mm -hmm. What we represent is why does somebody who may be economically disadvantaged have to be broadband disadvantaged? We want to provide them very robust connectivity to if you want to end systematic poverty, you, you have to rise them up with better um, broadband So if someone's economically disadvantaged, should we just should they not have electricity available to them? Yeah, exactly. Right? We would never, we would never say that. So okay, why are we saying that? Give them half the electricity yes. access that, yes. correct, quote unquote, regular people would have? Yes. Right. Now right. you're cherry picking? Yeah. Based mm -hmm. on what? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then we get into the difficult questions about, you know, historical practices yes. and yes. Mm -hmm. who gets what. Right. If you're going to base, ev base everything on the ability to pay, yeah. you know, again, now you're segmenting the public based on some arbitrary factors I think, that... Yeah, I think that cities believe this is infrastructure more than they ever have, and communities see that they're infrastructure more than they ever have. I mean, you're seeing people endeavor into muni networks and even other models, like P3 models, who have incumbents in their cities. And people are saying that they want better, better from, selection. From what we, we've experienced and what we've heard, it's the pandemic. Mm -hmm. right? Everyone migrated, when you couldn't go outside and everyone was at home, some communities that had robust broadband connectivity, just they thrived. I would say it wasn't difficult. It just wasn't as difficult. And then some communities were absolutely devastated. Absolutely. Right? And they were put back you know, a generation or more in terms of, of wealth building and income generation and educational opportunities where some, you know, they were creative. Yeah, it sucked, but for two years, you know, we still met. We were able to conduct business. We were able to see Have family. Happy hours. We were going to do virtual happy hours, right? It created several new virtual platforms that prior to the pandemic, none of us ever heard of, but now they're part of our lexicon. Like it's, it creates these opportunities. But I, but I do wanna circle back on, on some criticism of, of community broadband mm -hmm. or municipal broadband. So cr critics often say that allowing municipalities to compete with you know, legacy or traditional ISPs are like a lot of like no, letting them next <laughs> like the referee play in the game. We're yeah. talking now. Standards. You know, uh, standards. <laughs> do you think that's fair criticism? Those who know me know I don't play that almost as something. Oh, yeah. but okay. I, I would say, and I, I can speak, I, I think it's, they, they, first of all, I think the private sector has had a chance to come up and produce, and they haven't. Yeah. Until you bring in choice and overbuild, that's when you see the legacy networks upgrade. So tell me that they couldn't upgrade. You're seeing some big incumbents who said they couldn't upgrade. They're, they're um, we're at their max. But when they get competition or threat of competition in there oh, yeah. for their network, it's suddenly their network is upgradable and you're seeing double the speeds. It's, it's, and the prices drop. And the prices drop, yeah. right? Yeah, we've seen that in VTOP. This is what movie that where did that come from? Hey, Magic. hold on guys. It's I'm trying to be professional. I'm sorry. Once. I come from a state in Utah, <laughs> which might be known to be a very conservative state. Um, Utah? So, yeah, really? shocking. Um never heard that. And uh, that we have one of the oldest municipal networks in the country, as second oldest or second biggest behind Chattanooga, um, EPB there. But we are legislatively prohibited from mm. cities from offering 
retail services to compete with the private sector. Mm -hmm. So thus, why we are an open access model. Mm -hmm. I, it happened you know, before I started working there, but what you have seen by having open access, we believe it's the right way of mm -hmm. role um, in government as my utopia role. But what, why do I think it's interesting? It's because you're letting private ISPs who've been in Utah for, you know, started their business in 1994, like X Mission, who's the oldest ISP, could never compete and be in business today if they weren't on open access. Mm -hmm. So you're letting private businesses compete and have a chance to yeah. get big incumbents. So let me follow up on that for our audience and members who, who may not know what open access mm -hmm. uh, is and the open access model. Can you explain that? What, yeah. Essentially what that is and how so, that plays in your I would say life. the easiest way to explain it, it's where the city owns the infrastructure, um, similar to an airport. So the city will own the airport, but let private airlines run out of it. Delta, United, Southwest, kudos to Delta because it's my favorite, Salt Lake City Hub. But that's how it is in open access, that the cities build the infrastructure and allow private um, companies to compete on it. So on the residential side, we have 16 ISPs who compete directly head to head. So it, what it does is creates competition, price dropping, and better service. Right now, it is incredible to see, even at Utopia, we have a 4.6 rating. We just went up from 4.5 on Google with 2,000 ratings. And to see that in the, the telecommunications space is unheard of. Because when you have to compete, people will compete. People get really creative when they have to compete. And, and right. I think that's yeah. it. It's not even about open access, but it is about like if when the incumbents have to compete, they, they raise But their the focus also is on the customer, mm -hmm. right? You're now competing for the customer, not trying to make that ROI based on the construction investment that you've made to build out the network that you have to recoup and pay back your, your investors, right? Um, but an ISP would say, oh no, you know, we should factor all of that into uh, the, the, the conversation and the consideration, but they always leave out competing on that customer, what the customer experience is. Right? I, so, yeah, I think it's, when you, it's uh, something like this. Um, if you have competition in a broadband market, the resident's broadband cost goes down by $27 per month. So it is bringing competition to, you bring competition whether it's Muni or anything else, mm -hmm. prices go down. And I think that's what we want, is that the customer has the best The service experience. go up too, prices Services go down, service go up, service go up. economics, right? So broadband is like dating, again, right? You start with the <laughs> customer standards? experience, and you work your way backwards from the customer experience. Does the cost ever go down, though? That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> My experience, it never goes down, it only goes up. We gotta get Scott to Vegas, Kim. <laughs> um, but you, you know, um, we're, we're we're running some data. Um, so we have a broadband project in in Richfield, and in 2001, during the pandemic, we uh, we did a poll of the community, and 94% of the community wanted uh, the town to investigate a fiber network. And some of the terms that uh, that showed up in not only just the quantitative but the qualitative data was. You know, it's a monopoly. We we need choice. We need better options. We need this. We need that. And we just uh, uh, the vendor just completed a feasibility study for us now. And again, the the data really didn't move that much over the course of the last couple of years. And you know, even with people who've gone back to work and home internet is not as you know critical as it was maybe two years ago. So the needs are you know we're streaming more. We're gaming more. We're doing you know. You, you want a ring doorbell camera, you know, that's the coaching bandwidth. I think we have to change the broadband conversation and let the market drive um, mm -hmm. what the, the customer needs. And that has been very backwards in the broadband industry. I mean, our Harvard professional over here probably understands this, but uh, <laughs> uh, he, we, we're telling the consumer what they need. Right. And we're like, 
we're not even asking the question. We're like, I heard this the other day. You only need 25 threes. Right. Like, why do you tell me what I need? I don't have 100 pairs of shoes. Nobody's telling me I shouldn't go get the 101st. Right. So, do you have 100 pairs of shoes? Um, maybe. maybe. <laughs> classes, yeah. 30. <laughs> but I mean, the argument that's typically made, and this is, you know, why the government is investing in broadband is because it's fundamentally a market failure, mm -hmm. right? So it just Absolutely. doesn't work unless you have infusion of governmental funds in some area of the. I, I don't know, Shannon, how it's a failure when they're spending, like the big telcos are spending that much money in lobbying on the, the Hill mm -hmm. every day. I mean, clearly they have money. <laughs> That's, yeah, it sounds like you would challenge that. Yeah. I mean, based on everything you're saying and what you're saying now. Um, $8 million a I'm not week an just in Washington. I did go to Harvard, but I'm not an economist. But you were admits, right? That's close. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so I thought when people went to Harvard, they knew everything. I mean, uh, wow. sorry. That must be Yale. Oh, that's oh, Yale. Okay. <laughs> oh, wow. Fighting here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we take those words. <laughs> uh, one of the things we focus on on the Ready or Not podcast is leadership. Right, mm -hmm. and so both of you are exhibited leadership in AAPB as well as in your uh, personal en endeavors with your companies. Um, what are your thoughts? <laughs> what you said Because you, <laughs> you said your, your personal endeavors in companies. <laughs> was that? I, I didn't get leadership and dating. Yeah, that's what like you're gonna go down. No, this okay. is a professional podcast. It's a professional. <laughs> <he's a> professional <laughs> Keep it together. <laughs> what are we doing here? What are we doing? <laughs> We, we throw so, gals, so in know. terms of your leadership styles mm -hmm. and approach, because I see you guys, and we have fun, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and you, you infuse that fun also in your professional lives. I'm going to throw you a, a oh, last line. Sweet. Oh, um, so where, how do you, how does that manifest itself in your daily life in terms of you, Utopia, AAPB, you with the, as a commissioner? You know, what's your approach to, to, to leadership? particularly to uh, make an impact and to bridge the digital divide? Relatable, being relatable and authentic. Um, I think one of the things about leadership and going into some of these conversations is what we, you're in the broadband industry. Wow, this is gonna be fun. Make um, it diabetes. Brought to you by the late Wilford Brimley. Kim, you were saying we can edit this. It out. just got too serious. It got too serious. Go ahead. It got too serious. What? Well, well, Diabetes We speak in the broadband industry, and if you go to one of these conferences, there's acronyms, there's all this technology, and it like steers everybody away from the conversation because they're very serious and they want to talk about ponds and johns and blondes, and you're like, you've lost every bit of energy in the conversation, and. That people get scared because they go to these conferences or talk to people and they don't know what any of this means right. so they steer away yes so talk to them like a person right. hey did your netflix like buffer today let's talk about why what like, go and frustrating this, yeah. is that? it's frustrating yeah. but you have to it's talk relatable. to people where they are instead of the technology right. and the problem with the broadband industry to some degree is it's all a bunch of people who work in technology who are vendors who are trying to sell you something right like Let's talk about why you're doing this. Let's talk about the emotions behind it. And I think if you get to the emotions, then you get to the crux of the situation. I can tell you're serious. You took the glasses off, so I have to take mine off. All right, well, okay. I'll give you a we're serious answer. Okay. I'll give you a serious Thanks. answer, Shannon. Serious answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, she's over here. Hello. So tell me about Harvard. Um, you know, I can, actually. <laughs> I think the glasses off moment here is that uh, 
because everything is so sales driven right now in the broadband industry, you, you know, I, I think, look, everyone's following the money. And so everyone's, you know, we're back to that place where we're, everyone's jockeying for like a half a step forward. And, you know, just, you know, we got away from that during the pandemic because I think there was this understanding that, okay, this is our industry's moment to shine. This is our moment. And we've sort of gotten back to quarterly sales goals and stuff. And I think we just have to be authentic and, and do the right thing. And one of the things that Kim and I really try to do, not just, you know, at AAPB, but, you know, like, you know, the three of us are our conference co-chairs for broadband communities, is we try to engage with as many newcomers, first timers at, at the conference as possible. We, we want to be welcoming, we, you know, not just as, as chairs and hosts, but, you know, how can we put people together and, and create successful outcomes? And, and, and that's what's the most meaningful stuff that I think people remember over it, time. It's about relationships. I think it's about building relationships and, and putting them in contact with the right people and just talking. I think that's what we've forgotten in sales. It's like, it is a sales quote. It's like, what do you do? Let me get you there. Let's have the relationships and really work together. It's, if we really want to change this, change this country and connect this country, we have to stop. We have to work together. It comes down to working together and having relationships. Relational, not transactional. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we generally end on a final word. Uh, I think that might have been the final word. Shannon, I want to give you the opportunity <laughs> to dive in uh, and ask our guests one final question before we depart. Lightning I did round. not prepare for the final, word question. So, the final round. Lightning round. You get the final word. So I will it. end it as recording chocolates <laughs> and tequila. And we're going to we end on to, I know, tequila. It's, it's, it's water. water. You have a budget it's water, for people. Casa Azul. It's a little... Uh, <laughs> we have a budget for water. We're completely off the rails. But I do want to end of the podcast on a serious note and, and giving you an opportunity for a final word. So what do you hope to accomplish with, with AAPB and, and where do you think we're going with um, the IIJA programs, you know, the announcement with the NTIAs coming this year, you know, all of the focus and attention on, on, on MAPS. I will give you an opportunity uh, to get the final word. Before well, we I started that. in the broadband industry because I really like guys in polos. <laughs> Even with the outdated logos. <laughs> especially. Especially. Okay. Right. Standards uh, adjustment. Okay, go, go ahead, Mom. I'm going to give you K over here. For night? Or for camera? <laughs> We're going to edit all of this out, folks. This is going to be in the behind the scenes. We're keeping it all in. It stays. It stays. Okay, what was the question again? The final word, Kim. What's the final word? Oh, you're talking about I, yeah. I, I, what, what did you say, I, I, J, A? Let's talk about B. Let's talk about B. Because there's digital equity, there's B, there's whatever you want to talk about. I think B. it's going to be interesting. I think you are going to see B come out at some point. We're not sure when. Um, but I think you're going to see more communities just take on the financial burden to build themselves. And ultimately, what's the goal for AAPB? Our goal for AAPB is to provide a resource and a voice for communities around the country who are... Um, endeavoring on a broadband initiative, whatever that is, is to really be a resource to them and uh, give them some jokes and assistance along the way because we have no financial gain by doing it, right? A vendor does. We are just here of, of other communities who are really out there trying to share the, the knowledge and, and meet them, like give them the right vendor that might hit their solution or go for their project. Bob, go Am I allowed to say a bad word? Absolutely. Oh, we thrive on. We we thrive are you gonna on. Say, are you gonna say clusterfuck? <laughs> I don't worry. It's all bullshit. Okay. That's the problem. 
you know, at the end of the day, there, there's been too you're much my lobbying. PR, you're my PR person, and you just said that that's like, you would never let me say that. No, no well, that's okay, because I'm, I'm not representing a network. Okay. I'm, I'm only a volunteer town commissioner, and, you know, if they say, oh, you're gone for saying bullshit on a podcast, I'm like, all right, I'll just go mow my lawn. It'll be fine. I'll, I'll, do you I'll see my lawn? family. I do. You do. I don't, I, I you, don't, a, you, don't, you don't hire that out. I have a green John Deere riding mower. That is... Hat or no hat? Uh, I have the hat. Okay. You, I have the hat. Do you wear a sleeveless undergarment? I, would, I would not subject my neighbors to, to that at all. You don't put this body in a sleeveless, uh, you know, kind of thing. Can't hold me back. Yeah, yeah. But, but I do have a burn mark from a hair straightener. It's not a hickey, it's a hair straightener. But no, I, I look, Scott, you know, the, the, I, I think where AAPB is going to come into effect and companies like broadband money and others is is that I don't think a lot of this this money from uh, from bead IIJ what, whatever I don't think it's gonna go towards its intended purpose you know the maps have been carved up it's, it's going in the wrong direction and it's not working out okay but we still have a community problem and we still have to solve this problem and so we need great minds coming together and we need to put people in touch with great minds and we need we need a lot of solutions we need all hands you know working on this issue so if we can, if we can, you know, get a different perspective out there. If we can bring ideas together, if if we, we can, can help bring people, city, bring people together, you know, with, with a solution that's working here, bring bring them together with another one. I, I think we've got it, and, the, and then you know, at least let's let's go for it. We so the brilliant mind you talked about wasn't us, right? Like I'm just saying. I'm I'm just saying all all of us. You know, we're all part of an ecosystem with some brilliant minds, and especially you know Harvard over here. Oh, yeah, right. You know. But Scott has a son at Harvard, so I mean. Oh, pay the tuition here. I need I need some more broadband money. Broadband money over here, right? Some more gold coins. I'm gonna do a a mic drop. I'm gonna take my glasses off. Okay. So, so the final word. It's all bullshit, but I mean in a nice way. In a nice way. That's like a southern flesh. How can we? How can we though also have fun in the process, right? I I believe if you don't believe in what you're doing and not having fun. How can you wade through the bullshit and get through and make the impact that you? Shannon doesn't like it when we say bullshit. She gives a scornful look. They don't say that. I mean, I'm they pushing back against the skepticism, right? Like, I don't want to be want us to be too skeptical. I don't know. Honestly, in the ecosystem, there's room for everything. The folks that are, you know, challenging the status quo as well as, you know, the status quo. But at the same time, I just want to encourage people to be engaged and not kind of stand on the sidelines and just yes. complain and say it's not right. But, but you look at this com- this conference, right? One of the big messages is is that the money is going to flow away from the cities out into rural areas. And we're seeing with the FCC map, especially with broadband, that the rural areas are going to get carved up and it's going to be really, really hard to use that money. So the, the cities, are, you know, they're, they're kind of boxed out except on the digital equity play. And the suburbs where, you know, the community that I live in that I represent, you know, there's going to be nothing for it. They're going to be like, okay, well, you, you've got some stuff. But we have some unserved areas. You know, I, I, look, I come from a leafy suburb in, in, you know, outside of New York. And, you know, we've, we've got some digital equity issues. We, we, we have, you know, people who really need help. You know, we, need pe- we have people who our economy depends on it. We, we have a lot of financial services. People work from home. So, you know, if we, if we want a sustainable economy, you know, again, Economic Development Commission, that's that's why we're pushing for fiber. But I think, I, I agree with Shannon, I think sometimes we get into the trenches that we live this every day and we forget that there is hope. And there's a lot of people that can make this happen, but they have to be resilient 
and they have to be determined and they have to go. Like, I mean, Utopia wouldn't be in the spot we are today if we hadn't had board members who in the darkest of days were like, we're doing this and having the drive. When everybody said to quit, yeah. they're like, we're still in this and we believe this. That, that reminds me of a quote Mignon Clyburn who we had on mm -hmm. the podcast mm -hmm. said, you know, you, you don't, mm -hmm. don't be, uh, uh, you are the, the arbiter of your story, mm -hmm. right? So you are the final arbiter mm -hmm. to your story. Uh, and don't let the haters hate. That's going to come no matter what. Yeah. But at the mm -hmm. end of the day, you control your own destiny, and you are and, the writer of your own story. And she made yeah. the reference yeah. to the Theodore Roosevelt quote about being in the arena. Like, mm -hmm. we can choose to be in the arena, it's a great or we quote. can just throw mm -hmm. up our hands and say it's bullshit. Like, I know you're not throwing your, you're obviously yeah. not mm -hmm. doing that. You guys are active participants in the process, but people who don't know, the, our audience members, hopefully we want to spread the word to folks that are not involved to know about what's going on, And but you can't just deem it bullshit because otherwise, they, what's the point? All right, so I will retract that and I will say, some of it's bullshit, but it doesn't it doesn't mean you don't try, right? Okay. And that's why we that's why we, we, we basically started this organization, you know, with our, with our colleagues. It's because, you know, we didn't want to be well-intended people wringing our hands on the sidelines. You gotta be part of the solution. Bullshit or not, you gotta be you gotta be in it, and it's a fight worth fighting. For. There you go. Absolutely. I love that. That's, that let's yes. let's, let's end on that final mm -hmm. word. So, <laughs> want to thank uh, you all for tuning in to another episode of Ready or Not podcast. Kim is putting her glasses back on. I'm taking mine off. <laughs> uh, we want to thank Kim and Bob uh, and the American Association of Public Broadband uh, for joining us today here on site at the Marriott Marquis in Washington D.C. at the NLC. Oh. <laughs> And as we always say, be well, Godspeed. Thank you for joining us today. Bye-bye. All right. One take, baby. <laughs>